Well, good morning, Grace. Thanks for being here. We're continuing on in our series, Image of the Invisible. This morning, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, and so you got your Bibles, you can turn there. And uh, as you guys are turning there, I don't know if you've seen this before. Uh, it's been around for a little while now. It, it's actually something that's caused a lot of division uh, in, in our in our country, in, our, in the world. Um, it, it's caused uh, people to just split on this. Um, and uh, it, it's even driven a wedge in families. Um, and it, it's, the conversation has made its way inside the church. Um, in fact, it, it's, it looks like this. Um, there, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but some see this dress as, and it's real, some see it as being blue and black. I was told this week I was lying, and I'm not lying, but the, some see it as being blue and black, while others see it as white and gold. Um, and so who, let's take a vote. Who sees this dress being blue uh, with black stripes? Okay, let's see, because that was like everybody. Um, let's see, anybody see it being white with gold stripes? A few, okay. See, see if, by the way, if for all the, that was kind of the same result in first service. Um, the real answer, because I looked it up, because I was like, well, who's right? Because somebody's got to be right. And, and it really is actually a blue dress with black stripes. So all you white and gold people, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, but then, uh, it, so it's blue and black, white and gold, it's blue and black. Um, and so what we're going to do this morning, uh, we're just, the, the way we're spending our morning is we're just going to pray for the white and gold people, um, that their eyes can be opened to see truth um, this morning. But... Honestly, we have been looking at a question this series, uh, and, it, and the question that we've been asking this series is, who is Jesus? And it is a question that has caused division. But the, the answer, how we respond to who is Jesus is one of the most important questions that we can ever ask. Because if we respond with anything, except that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that he is God, that he is the firstborn of all creation and he came into this world to show us his love, to demonstrate his love and to go to the cross, dying, paying our sin penalty, paying our debt. If we're answering with anything except that, we are following something that will leave us empty and not fulfill the void that is in our life. Paul says in Colossians chapter two, starting verse six, he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. It's pretty simple. Hey, if, you, if you've asked Jesus, you decided on Jesus to come into your life, walk in that, walk in him. Follow him. And, and doing that, we, we've been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. If you follow Jesus, if you decided on him, you've been rooted, firmly rooted. 
You know, if you've ever played a sport or like basketball, you're coached to when you go up to get the rebound, you go up, grab it, and you come down and you want to have a wide stance because you want to have a firm base. You don't want to be moved. You don't want to be shaken. You want to be rooted where you are. You want to be being built up, instructed in his word with a firm foundation, building our life on him, on Jesus. And in the moment we put our faith, trust, hope in Jesus, we have a faith that has been established. That's why one reason I like, like my job, I like being a youth pastor. Because one of the goals and one of the reasons we do summer trips in Kalahari is we want to give an opportunity for students to put their faith, trust in Jesus. But we also want to see them being rooted, being built up, having their faith established in, in Christ. That's what we're trying to do every single week. You know, what, what's really scary is you as a mom, dad, you as the parent, you are the number one spiritual influence in your child's life, in your student's life. Your goal as a parent shouldn't be their best, to be their best friend, shouldn't it be to, it should be to help them to see that we need to be firmly rooted. We need to be walking in Jesus, teaching them what he's instructed them in his word. Teaching them how to be built up in him. It's not just what our kids need, it's what we need. Do you see the result when we are walking with Christ, walking with Jesus. The very end, it says overflowing with gratitude. When we find ourselves walking with Jesus, we're gonna be rooted. We're gonna be being built up. We're gonna have a faith that is established. And because of that, our, the reaction, the, the result is we're gonna have an overflowing joy peace, gratitude. And the truth is probably some of us walked in this morning and we're not feeling very overflowing. We're, we're in fact, if we're honest, we're, we're struggling. We're trying to figure out, I, well, man, I, I'm trying to figure out who is this Jesus guy is and who I really want to follow him. Maybe you're struggling and, and you're struggling because of sin that's got going on in your life. Maybe you're struggling because you've been taken captive, the way Paul says it in, in verse eight. Look, he says, therefore, as you, or sorry, next, see to it that no one takes you captive. 
through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. You know what happens when we aren't walking with Jesus? It's easy for us to be taken captive. When we're not overflowing with gratitude and joy and we're excited about Jesus, it's easy for us to be taken captive by our world and traditions and philosophies. It's easy to buy into it and try to go, yeah, I like Jesus. I like the idea of Jesus. I like that Jesus loves me. And I want to mix that with a little bit of what the world also has to offer. We try to blend them together. We try to buy what the world is offering. And what's happening with Paul saying is in the church here is that there is culture around them that was trying to invade its way inside the church. So Paul's reminded them, who do you follow? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you rooted? Are you being built up in your, in your faith, in your life, in Christ? Are you, have, do you have a faith that is established? Are you overflowing with gratitude towards him? Because when we're not, it's in a scary place. It's a way to protect us to be those things. But when we're not, we can be taken captive by what the world is selling, what the world's offering and what they're doing. What Paul says, there's two main issues really that's going on that we know of looking at this church there, that they're, Two main issues there then, and there's two main issues today that goes on. The two issues are, who is Jesus? That people try to bring that into question. And then also, how are we saved? Paul's going, we need to make sure that we're who we're following is Jesus, not our own appetite. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3.19. He said, talking about someone who's following their own desires. He said, their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite and whose glory is their shame, who sets their minds on earthly things. What are you following? Are you following Jesus? Or are you following your own appetite? You became your own God. You're following the world rather than Christ. Paul says in 2 Timothy, when he was writing to Timothy, he says, for there's gonna be a time that will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, wanting just to hear all the good stuff, they, want, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires that will just say all the stuff that they wanna hear, not all the bad stuff, not the stuff that we aren't that good that we need Jesus. They're, they're, verse four, it says, and they will then turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. But you, you who follow Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, but you be sober in all things. 
endures, endures hardships, do the work of an evangelist. Tell people about the greatest part of, about you. Tell people about Jesus. Fulfill your ministry. Do what God has called you to do. But doesn't that sound like a lot like today? People just wanting to do whatever makes them feel good. Turning away from truth and turning aside to miss, turning aside to just whatever our culture says, that's true. Not standing on something that is firm, that isn't shaken. Who do you follow? Because when our world, if you buy into what the world is offering, it will leave you. It's false advertisement. It will leave you empty. It's like a, a Snickers commercial, right? It, it, there's the tagline that comes on along with Snickers. You aren't you when you're hungry. You aren't you when you're hungry. And it's really clever because what they're really saying is, hey, you can have any other candy bar. You can have Hershey's and it might be great for a moment, but it won't satisfy the way Snickers can. You can have whatever you want in this world and it's false advertisement because it might make you happy for a moment or a season, but it will leave you empty. What the world is offering is emptiness. What Jesus is offering to you and to me is fullness. Even good things, even things that are good and like family, like I love my family, but my family was never met and created to fill the hole, the void that's in my heart. They couldn't, they, they can't hold the weight of that. It will leave me empty if I try to put my family to that standard to fill. Jesus fully satisfies, fully fills. He completes us. Look at what Paul says next in verse nine. He says, for in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In Jesus, he is fully God. Jesus is fully God in bodily form. Then watch. And in Jesus, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule, all authority. He is God. He is the king of kings. He can fill the void that you and I have. Only him. Jesus satisfies our desire to search for something more. To search for the meaning, a purpose of life. Jesus satisfies. He completely fills it. So Paul goes on to use four different pictures of how Jesus completes you and I. The first one, he, he says, is that he uses this picture of circumcision, which is strange because as far as I know, um, there's only two places that you could talk about circumcision and it's normal. And it's not at work in the lunchroom. 
It's in the hospital, right? Right after you had a baby boy and it's at church. Why in church? Look at verse 11. It says, and in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is it saying? It's saying that the moment that you decide on Jesus, you give him your life, there's a surgery that takes place in you, in your heart, where you're, you're changed forever. And in that surgery, the, the sin nature that we all have is cut off where our desire is no longer, I want what the world is selling, but I wanna follow Jesus. And in that we're complete. And the way Paul says it in Philippians 3.3, he says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in flesh. Or Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not be a master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. See, what that's saying is when we made that decision to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean we're, we're gonna never sin anymore. But the desire has changed. It means that we, you and I, can have victory over any of our struggles, our sin struggles that we can win, that it doesn't have to control us, that it doesn't have to be a master over us. So your addiction, it doesn't have to be a master over you. you if you have given your life to Jesus, your sin nature is cut off. It was removed. Your desire isn't to obey whatever that thing is or to keep on doing that thing over and over again. It isn't that. Your sin nature has been cut off. The surgery has taken place. You're changed. And you can have victory over that in Jesus. You're complete in him. It's Jesus plus nothing, nothing equals everything. You don't have to add anything. You get everything in Jesus. The second picture that Paul uses is the picture of baptism. In verse 12, he says, having been buried with him in baptism and which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. He's not talking about a literal water baptism being something that saves you here. Just like he's not talking about a literal circumcision. He's talking about a surgery that takes place in your heart where your sin nature is cut off in verse 11. In verse 12, a baptism he's talking about here is where God's spirit comes in you, washes you, renews you, changes you. The very moment you put your faith, trust, hope in Jesus, not only are you complete because your sin nature is cut off, but you're complete because you're washed, you're forgiven. All of that sin, all of our sin has been washed, forgiven. We're complete. And then verse 13, another picture he uses of a corpse that you and I, before we came to trust in Jesus, that we were dead. 
It says, when you were dead in your transgressions, in your sin, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. He says, you're complete. Not just because your sin nature has been cut off. Not just because of the fact that you've been washed, forgiven, but you were dead. You were hopeless before Jesus. Helpless. You were lost. You were dead. You were a corpse. And the moment you decided, I'm going to put my faith, trust, hope in him, you became alive. You were born again. You've been changed. You are complete. The hole in your heart is completely filled. And then Paul uses the fourth metaphor here, a picture, where he says, your sin has been canceled, your debt has been paid. He says, Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Think about it. Your sin has been paid. You know, recently my uh, wife and I, we just had our second uh, we had a little boy, he's three months old now, he's getting chubbier and uh, he's cute, he's drooling all over the place and it's kind of gross, but he's got that, like, when I'm saying chubbier, he's getting chubbier, he's, he's getting that little armband things going on um, and he's, he's, it's fun, it's a blast, I'm enjoying seeing my, my little girl be a big sister and She's doing pretty good. One time we had one instance where she did take a pillow and say, no longer crying. And so we had to have a conversation about that. Um, so that wasn't a good big sister moment. Not big sister award goes to her, but no. Uh, she's, it's been a great time. And I love my wife and she uh, um, is an amazing mom. And uh, we, when we were at the hospital, Everything went great, and uh, then we get home, right? And, and after a little bit of time, there's a uh, you, you get you get a thing in the mail, right? You get a bill from the hospital, and you you go, okay, it's here, yay, fun. This is the greatest. Love this blessing. And then you open the mail, and you're like, okay, here. Really, you're looking for how much do I owe? You open it up, and you're like, okay oh, this much. And you're like, I'm hoping insurance is kicked in already. And, and then you, you go, you open it up because it's like pages. You're like, why is, they could have just said you owe this much. But no, they say, here's all the reasons why you owe this much. Bunch of nonsense information. I don't, I didn't really read it. Um, but then you owe that much, right? Paul says, there's a certificate of debt against you, me with decrees in it. Of all the sins, everything that we've ever done is in it. It's like a certificate of debt. It's heavy, weighs a lot. And you open it up because you really want to know how much do I owe? And you open it up and like Romans 
says, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. How much do I owe? I owe my life. How much do I owe? The way, how, how can I pay it? Death, eternity, separated from God. That's what I deserve. It's what we deserve. And then we look at it and it's, we look at all the decrees against us, all the reasons why we owe our life. It's not just one. One would have been enough. One reason that we haven't loved God every single second of every single day. But it's listed out all the decrees against us and it's, it's long, a long list. Every lie. Every time we chosen to be uh, selfish. Every moment where we've said something that was unkind towards someone, it's in here. The addiction that we have, it's, it's in here. Every single time that we're going back to it, it's in here. It feels like we're hopeless. Helpless because it's all of our sin. The DUI, it's in here. The lust, it's in here. Every time, it's in here. Our, ready, here's a good one. Our anxiety. Yeah, it's sin. And it's in here. Because we have not trusted. What is anxiety? Why are we anxious? Because we're trying to be in control rather than trusting the one who is in control. It's in here. It's in the certificate of debt. And, but Romans doesn't just stop with, we, we owe our life, we deserve death. It says, but in, there's a free gift that Jesus is offering to you and to me. That's life that comes from him. And Paul said in Colossians that he took the certificate of debt and he didn't just say, oh, too bad for you. You owe life. He says, I done something about it. I took your certificate of debt and I nailed it to the cross. But he didn't, that wasn't just the end of the story. Did you catch the beginning of Colossians 2? He didn't just nail it to the, the cross, he did. But when he did that, what was the result of him nailing the certificate of debt to the cross? It was paid, it was canceled. This is a lot harder to write on a cross than I was thinking. It was paid in full. It's paid in full. It was canceled, all the things that we've ever done, every single thing, it was paid for. It's like the hymn, right? Jesus paid it all, I can't sing. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. If I would come to him trusting in Jesus and his work on the cross and that he paid my debt penalty for me, not 80% of it. He didn't pay 80%. He paid 100%. He paid it 
all. He paid it in full. Through his blood, through his death, through his work, not yours, not mine. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything because I'm coming to him. I can't do anything to earn God's love. I just come to him, believing, trusting that he died for me and it changes everything. It's like Paul in Galatians, he wrote in Galatians, he wrote that he will boast in nothing but in the cross. He says, but may it never be that I will boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Think about Paul. He was a guy who was killing people who worshiped Jesus, loved Jesus, followed Jesus. Then he has an encounter with the real Jesus. Decides on him. His life is changed to the point where he's going, I no longer want to hurt people who follow Jesus. No, no, I just boast about Jesus and what he's done. I boast about it because he's paid my sin in full. I have nothing else to celebrate but Jesus. <coughs> Romans 5.18 says, so then just as one trespass, one sin brought condemnation for all men, so also one act of righteousness brought justification in life for all. Just as one sin, my sin, deserves God's rightful wrath. He still died for me. He still died for you because he loves you. He's paid it all. Let me read Colossians one more time. Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them. You know, imagine Friday night, when Jesus is hung on a cross. And it felt like all hope was gone. It felt like Satan had won. Saturday, same thing. It was dark. The future was unknown. But then it came Sunday. And everything changed. Because Jesus didn't just stay dead. He rose again from the grave, defeating death. Proving that he is the image of the invisible 
that he is God, that he is the firstborn of all creation, that he came into this world to save sinners just like you and me. To give us a way to be right with God. Provide us a way that we could be forgiven of all of our sin, that we could have it paid in full. someone you came into the room this morning and you've never you're maybe you're trying to figure out who is Jesus and how can I be saved how can I find myself in 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 heaven one day are you trying to pay for your sin yourself or are you letting God pay if you want to come this morning and you want to trust in Jesus. You want to trust God with your life. It's as simple as just ABC, admitting that you're a sinner, that you're broken, that you deserve his wrath, but you believe that he died on the cross to pay your sin debt in full. Pay it all and see that you would confess that you want him to become the Lord over your life. And when you do that, if you do that, the Bible says that your sins are forgiven, that they're, they're washed white as snow, that you are washed white as snow, that your sins are gone as far as east from the west. You don't have to do anything. You just have to ask him to come into your life. He's standing at the door, knocking, begging you to let him in because he is the only thing that can complete you. Everything else will leave you empty. And you come to him asking him to come into your life. He will complete you. He will cut off the sin nature and where you have a desire, your desire has changed to follow him that you're washed, you're renewed, yet you're born again, that you're brought from death to life, that your sin has been paid in full. It has paid, Jesus has paid it all. Imagine if somebody came up to you and they said, uh, hey, your mortgage, it's paid. I'll take care of it. It's paid in full. You would go ballistic, right? Like, I know I would. Like if somebody came up and was like, Luke, I'm paying your mortgage in full. I would be going, hey, today is a day to celebrate. I would have joy. Man, I would be overflowing with it. In fact, we would probably all go out to eat, right? We would go out to eat and we would be celebrating. The waitress waiter would come up to you and you're like, hey, are you, is, there, is there a reason, occasion? Why are you out here celebrating tonight? And you'd be like, because somebody just paid my mortgage in full. You would celebrate it. it would, joy would be all over your life. How much more has Jesus paid? when he paid for our sin, our debt, and he paid it all. 
how much more should you and I celebrate? Have be grateful, overflow with joy. How much more should we tell others about Jesus? And how he's paid our sin in full. How much more should we just celebrate that Jesus has paid it all? So that's how we're gonna end this morning. We're gonna sing, Jesus paid it all. And it's an opportunity for some of us that we need to refocus on him to be reminded what he has done, his work, that it's finished. To make sure that we're walking in him, rooted in him, being built in him. And for some of you, maybe it's an opportunity where you can talk to God and you can ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. change you for eternity you guys would stand with me and let's pray Lord thank you for this day and thank you for the fact that you came 2,000 years ago that you came and you died you died for the world Lord because of your love, you died for us, even though we were sinners, even though we were rebellious against you. You've died for us. And Lord, I pray if there's someone in here that has never come to that point trusting you, that they would make that decision, that they would talk to you about it. They would admit that they're broken, that they need you, that they would believe that you died on the cross for them to pay it all pay for our sin and Lord that they would confess they want you to become the Lord, Lord over their life and God I pray also for those of us who we we've know you Lord that we would walk in you that we would walk with you and Lord help us to be overflowing today and celebrating that you've paid it all We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.